0: Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Garrett Hedlund on Mudbound and mixing it up with Steven Soderbergh for Mosaic. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Sammy.
1: Thank you. Wow, well, that's, that's like a really nice me.
0: greeting and reception Except of the greeting.
1: Does Garrett Headland have an accent?
0: He does. He's from Minnesota.
1: Oh, not that kind of accent. I was picturing him being British. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What if you were speak the with na- a British accent? Well, clearly never. <laughs> but I feel like it's a very like the nat. It's not a. a it is. Real it amer- has, a, It know. has a
0: pomp and circumstance yeah, to like, it. I could God see headed. that. not But he's no. He is. He's salt of the earth. No. Minnesota boy. What do I know? Um, he's an all-American chap. Um, lovely to talk to Garrett, who uh, stars, as I said, in Mudbound. If you guys have not caught this movie, um, a wonderful movie from uh, D. Reese, uh, starring Carey Mulligan, mm-hmm. um, mary J. Blige, yes. Jason Mitchell, and yes, Garrett Hedlund. This uh, great ensemble. It's a you know, it's it's a it's a tough movie. It's a rough movie. It's not like necessarily. Um, a pleasant subject matter, but it's one of those movies that is uh, just beautifully uh, shot with great performances. Uh, and I believe it's, uh, I believe it's on uh, Netflix Netflix, now, it sure right? is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can watch that. So you've no excuses. No uh, excuses. No excuses. <laughs> Go see Mudbound <my> <laughs> now. <laughs> Um, also, uh, we talk a little bit about uh, in this conversation, he, uh, he's popped up in this unusual project called Mosaic. You probably haven't heard about this. I
1: have not heard of this. Yeah,
0: because it hasn't gotten a lot of press yet. So Mosaic is a Steven Soderbergh project. And by virtue of that, you know, it's going to be unusual and different because mm. Soderbergh loves to kind of just push at uh, different t- types of narratives. And this one is right now. Uh, available as an app on your phone. What? What? I don't get it. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's a it's it's not quite choose your own adventure kind of thing, but it is like you can basically follow different characters, different perspectives on a story, and you can kind That's of like steer really the story cool. a bit. It's going to eventually, I think, pretty soon, pop up on HBO as a traditional. It's a TV series, so you can watch it that I think way. think It's like
1: the adventure most people chose, or what they end up cutting together. Is the I think
0: it's no. I think it's simply whatever Soderbergh thought mm. made sense as a thirty-minute show. But um, well, I so...
1: like my idea. <laughs> okay, I'll,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll let Stephen know. Yeah. Um, so you can check out uh, Garrett in that project as well. It also stars Sharon Stone.
1: She's been popping up. Yeah. What else? Disaster, oh, she was disaster Artist. Arts, that's right. Yeah. Um, wait, was, was she I a disaster artist? Yes, she plays the agent.
0: Oh yeah, because I was going to say no, Melanie Griffith. Griffith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay,
1: got it, got it. Okay. I was um, excited to see both of them oh, yes. equally. What, a, of what, a, what
0: an ensemble. Yeah. Anyway, back to Garrett. <laughs> anyway. um uh, my, Garrett's first visit to the podcast, long overdue. Um, I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before. We mentioned it in the course of this conversation, Garrett and I go way back because uh, my brother. Adam Horowitz, blah blah, is a writer, and he yeah. co-wrote *Tron Legacy*. So, um, Garrett and I got to know each other in the course of those shenanigans, and it's been lovely to um, stay in touch with him ever since and to see his career progress. He's made uh, very cool, interesting choices. Uh, he's not your cookie cutter leading man. He definitely um, chooses projects, uh, you know, in a way that that speaks to his love of the craft more than you know just naked box office ambition. So I respect that in Garrett. And um, he's always somebody I'll, I'll keep uh, tabs on. Um, keep and, rooting for him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh it is 2018. Well,
1: we made it. We did it, guys. <laughs> Yay! We did yeah. it,
0: guys. So I was mentioning this to you right before we taped this, Sammy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, to look forward. I don't look back. You know you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're a real... Yeah, you're not someone to hold a grudge <laughs> or think. Yeah.
0: I don't know why you went there. <laughs> <laughs> Do I hold grudges?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, just feel like you are someone to dwell in the past. But not this year. Nope. This year we're looking forward. It's a new me. Yeah.
0: Um, what is there a movie that uh, jumps out at you in 2018 that you know is coming down the pipe that you're excited for?
1: Yes, there's a lot.
0: I mean, Greatest Showman has come out. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, the sequel to Greatest Showman. <laughs> um, I'm excited about Infinity War. Yes. I'm excited about Black Panther.
0: Yes, that's soon. That's February. That's I can't soon. wait. I'm
1: very excited about Fantastic Beasts.
0: The Crimes of Grindelwald?
1: Yes. Uh, Colin, The Crimes of Grindelwald, yeah. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald? Big Jude Law fan. So Jude Law's a young Dumbledore. Are
0: you thing. a big Jude Law fan? Yes. Okay.
1: The Holiday? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm no, a big that's the first saga. place you
0: go, huh? Yes. God almighty.
1: He's so good in that. Oh,
0: yeah. uh, <laughs> We're going to be holding auditions for new sidekicks <laughs> on Happy Sit. Sa- no. Um,
1: I was mad you didn't ask Jack Black about the holiday <laughs> at the Jumanji carpet. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't get to uh, that. If we have more time.
0: Um, what about Mary Poppins?
1: Oh, my God. I keep forgetting. I know. Because it's not till like the end.
0: Yeah, that's next of Christmas. Next year. That's so That next feels Christmas.
1: like that's a year from now.
0: That's a while to go. Um, yeah, there, there's,
1: there's what about you?
0: I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, a couple, certainly they're the blockbusters. There's, um, there's, I'm always curious, uh, for an X-Men movie, especially with Jessica Chastain being added to the mix. I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm going into this with curiosity because I have some issues, but I love Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy being lured into a comic book movie is intriguing. Venom. Woody Harrelson just signed on board.
1: Woody Harrelson's hopping into these. I know blockbusters I know. left and right.
0: Um, speaking of kind of franchisey things, Halloween, the Halloween sequel slash reboot. I think it's more of a sequel uh, that David Gordon Green is directing, co- uh, co-written by Danny McBride. Jamie Lee Curtis is returning. Very curious about that When's
1: one. Han Solo coming out summer.
0: So that's a big. Que- I mean, and I'm, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big question mark.
1: That's another Curious.
0: Yes. I could go either way. Look, it's had a troubled uh, uh, you know, production history. I'm rooting for it. Uh, we all are. We all are. And hey, Mission Impossible. I always love a good Mission Impossible movie. You do. And you were saying you're excited about Ocean's 8?
1: I'm excited about Ocean's 8. I think it looks all right. Yeah, of course. Rihanna's in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be good. acting her, powerhouse yeah, that acting is Rihanna. I think, I think it's going to be great. I'm excited, and early in the year. And I saw there's if you guys watch that trailer as closely as I did, you'll see a spoiler. It's not
0: really hard to. It's hard hard to miss actually, but okay. Uh, Early in the year, um, uh, in the early going, we're going to get Black Panther. Uh, We're also going to get Annihilation, which I'm excited about. Interesting, Alex Garland, exactly. Alex Garland's new film, Uh, so that's one to keep an eye out.
1: Um, Is Donald Gleason in it? Cause I now I'm his biggest fan, so wasn't he amazing? He's amazing. We saw him
0: on the Star Wars carpet, yeah. and and I think Sammy was uh, saw what I've I seen get it. For, for years. I
1: get it. He's the best. Yeah, the best. So I'm only seeing movies he's in next
0: year. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily he works a lot, so yeah. hopefully you'll see at least two or three movies next uh-huh. year. Um, anywho,
1: anywho,
0: uh, please, guys, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy. Make Set it Confused. your resolution,
1: guys. Yeah, that's actually. God
0: damn it! That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. If you do nothing else this year, guys, do yourself a favor and do us a favor.
1: Good internet karma for you. Exactly,
0: (laughs) exactly. Um, Review, rate, subscribe. We may even uh, read your review on air. Make you super famous. (laughs) Um, In the meanwhile, while you get yourself to the iTunes page, uh, I'm going to give you this lovely conversation with Garrett Hedlund for free. Totally for free. This is free? Have you been paying? <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen the money.
1: Well, then, I don't know who right to Garrett Hedlund.
0: We're going to discuss this offline. Yeah. Why, look, it's Garrett Hedlund. eyeing my Barnum and Bailey animal
2: crackers. That's fantastic. I got in a fight, apparently, last night with uh, Cracker Jacks. What's that? You got, uh, I,
0: with a Cracker Jacks
2: box? No, Cracker uh, You know, at the Greenwich, they give you like a basket of, right. f- of free candy. And I woke up with Cracker Jacks all over the place. You're not, you're doing it wrong, man. I wasn't. I was searching so hard for the, for Would the you, prize.
0: We, I, I, we need to hear your beautiful voice. Would you mind coming closer to the mic? They need to hear oh, those, those,
2: fine. those, uh. I those thought you wanted me to sing. Tunes. I was going to, well, all right. <laughs> you can sing I'll, too. I I'll out of tune. Right. We'll do it at the end. Um, I'm gonna wear you down.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. We know you got the chops. I know it from Country Strong, man. Yeah. Um, how you been? You just got into town? Very good, yeah.
2: Got in the last night.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a bunch I want to catch up with you about, man. There's a lot going on. Uh, Mudbound. Is... How is this
2: going? You didn't even press anything. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's recording this all the time. It's just. <laughs>
0: My entire life—it's like a a little brother
2: instead of Big Brother. It's just like the mic sitting here instead of a camera. It's just a little mic.
0: That's right. Look, everything in my life is too valuable to waste. It all has to be recorded. Yeah. Uh, Let alone when you walk into the office, this is gold. Yeah. Do you feel the gold? Yeah. I don't think you do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I feel gold. (laughs) I feel. Feel you feel golden? I feel goldish.
0: gold-ish. Silverish. Yeah. Um, I was watching, well, we're going to get to Mudbound, but I was watching um, another project of yours uh, on, on, a, uh, on, on a little device here, my iPhone last night, which is actually the way it's intended to be
2: watched, yeah. bizarrely enough. Yeah. Um, so you, you were watching on that instead of the iPad?
0: Oh, is that the way to do it, the iPad?
2: Yeah, well, that was a fun thing where,
0: you so, know... So this is Mosaic, uh, Yeah, just to say. Mosaic, it, yeah. This is know. a Steven Soderbergh project. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so you tell me. What were we going to say?
2: No, it's just when we do certain takes sometimes, he'd be like, so that was the iPhone version, <laughs> and... Then, Give me an iPad version. Let me go smaller. No, no, just long- give me something that I can appreciate. I see on <coughs> an iPad. Like that performance was fine for an iPhone, right? But for give me something that—God that, forbid—I have a bigger screen. What? <laughs> what am I going to see? That horrible performance? Like no, but it's cool. What did you think about it?
0: I thought it was really cool. I'm, I'm, intri- I'm always intrigued by like what. Steven is doing, both with, like, oh, we got some visitors. Come on in. Um, always intrigued by what Steven Soderbergh has going uh, in terms of the way he approaches his art which is obviously like he's not afraid to kind of push at the at the seams of the medium and this yeah. is like kind of a bizarre thing i mean you tell me it's almost like a you, you can kind of choose your own adventure in a way i mean i watched like the first episode in a way, i thought
2: i think his uh, i think that drives him a little nuts that choose your own adventure the, even though that's how it was introduced but yeah. i think the you know alternating narratives and stuff like that is a little more Appropriate, but it does look i went through the whole thing on my cracked iphone for the first time when i watched it just because i was you know eager to see how they were approaching it and what they were doing with it and um the little pop-ups and stuff like that surprised the hell out of me yeah and the 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 footage that they couldn't get into um you know either it was it was something that I wouldn't say didn't make the cut, but it's something that probably would have worked easier on like a linear narrative. Mm. So these little additives are given to you that you can click on and 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 check out, and they're amazing little bonuses. Um, like how does
0: that sit with you as somebody that I know loves film and loves just like you know traditional um, movies? Like, you know, obviously the way people are consuming media is. Has changed so much in the last five years, and it's yeah. continuing to evolve. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you kind of give a shit about
2: sort of how it's being I, consumed? Or? I was very excited about this process um, because we were only given our storylines mm. when we were shooting it, so we didn't know who anybody was to us unless they were in our storyline. Um, ultimately, I think Stephen shot. I mean, we shot for about four and a half, five weeks. October, November, 2015, February, March, 2016, and accumulatively, accumulatively, uh, I think Stephen shot like 450 pages within that time. Wow. Um, Everybody's storylines. And if it was your story, you were shot in a different manner. Um, And it's... Because if I was doing like a scene with Devin Retray or, or, or Jen, um, you have everybody's point of view. Right. So either one's skeptical of you and they shoot yeah. it differently, and then one's, you know, and yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. And it's then, playing with perspective. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. Very much. And, and uh, it was just, it was very interesting. We shot very fast, and Steven shoots everything himself, and so... He's his
0: own DP, right, yeah. essentially?
2: Yeah. Like, literally, he's holding the camera. You no, know, it's the coolest thing. Not only is he, like, the coolest person, like, I think he's got, like, the greatest, driest sense of humor out right. of anybody I've ever met. Yeah. And so not only is it hilarious to joke around with him and and have a laugh, but if you ask him anything about cinema or, or pretty much anything in the world, he's got perspective on that right which is quite genius and inspiring so yeah. he's he's a fantastic one to have not only as a director but as a you know a mentor or just somebody to spend holidays with
0: it's funny because like you know when I think about and I look Take a look back on an opportunity like this at the, at the films you've done. It, you know, it strikes me the kind of filmmakers that you've gravitated towards or who have gravitated towards you. I mean, you've, you're kind of like not you're, you're checking off a bunch of cool ones, and they're all different. Yeah. In, in their own way, like Ang Lee and Soderbergh, sounds like from from what I gather, approach things in yeah. much different ways. Each yeah. genius in their own right, yeah. but um, Joe I'm, Wright, Joe Wright, exactly, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no. no, but no, seriously, I mean, like, I'm curious. Like, are you are you the kind of actor that can kind of vibe with anybody? Like, do you like um, every? different kind of a director, yeah, or is there a certain kind of director you gravitate
2: towards? Oh, no, I, I appreciate all the creative facets. Um, but also, you know, if if Minnesota Nice still holds strong, I mean, coming from there, I get along with everybody, and especially growing up on a farm, like, any company you can have in your presence is pretty great, because it was very lonely for the first 14 <laughs> years. Um, um, you know, I, I've... Um, I've appreciated being able to work with these directors, and I think because of certain decisions that I have made, like, you know, I wouldn't have worked with Ang Lee had I chosen to do certain other films. I think if there was like an overexposure of something mm. in other senses, like opportunities that I've had, I wouldn't have worked with him. They would have been like, oh, it's the guy from so and so, and he would be like, right. Yeah, no, not in this film. Um, You're talking about
0: like kind of franchise kind of things, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. Which you, you know, you obviously dabbled with a bit, but like you haven't, you had other opportunities. Yeah, and other things have come and gone.
2: Yeah, and so and and to be able to work with him, I thanked the decision from before, you know, from early on, not doing those. Yeah, um, did that feel like a risk
0: at the time of like saying no to things that maybe Team Headland was like, dude, Fifty Shades, go for it, man, uh, <laughs> it's, right
2: in. Uh, it's always. Um, you know, I never, from the first film that I did, you know, I was offered to do a lot of other under contract at, at Warner Brothers mm-hmm. to, you know, the first contract that I signed for Troy, they were offering, you know, it was a multi-film um, deal that I'd signed. And everything that they offered was something a little more, you know.
0: Derivative, We've seen more, it a thousand times. A little more, a
2: kind of little more poppy, yeah. in a way. And and I always try to get out of a lot of these scenarios to do things that I was passionate about. I mean, I wouldn't have done Friday Night Lights had I, you know, stuck to that. And that's a film that I've always been very proud of. And, right. Um, um. Do you feel like you've ever taken a film for the wrong reasons? Or- I mean um i was i was about to joke and say something like George Rule but i wanted to work with Gary Marshall like and so it's always been you know uh, there's about a the directors to do it, even if yeah yeah seems on i mean surface. when you're sitting in in that room and obviously like that film has has you know had sort of rumors around it in in multiple ways um um but when you're sitting in a room with Gary Marshall and you're looking at all these photos on the walls and he's like <laughs> Yes, I started their <laughs> career. And, and this and that, and you're, you know, you're sitting in the theater with them. I mean, it's very hard to not say yes, and and ultimately it was a wonderful experience um, to work with him and not just try to sort of learn and take what I can from all these wonderful directors along yeah. the way.
0: And, and add that to the list here. Seriously, thank you for the segue to someone like Dee Reese who uh, does a hell of a job with Mudbound, which I saw for the second time the other day. Um, and it's... Um, it's an impressive piece of work. I mean, it's a, it both, like, on a number of levels. I mean, she's, she's certainly working on, like, a bigger scale than she has, um, probably making the most for whatever budget she had. It's, it's an impressive-looking film. It's an emotional film. It's a, it's, it's a tough film to, to sit through in some ways, but it's rewarding in its, in its own right. Yeah. Um, I mean, just give me a sense of sort of, like, what, you know, talking about the criteria, like, what is it about her vision? Is it about the material? In this case, what was it that sold you?
2: Oh, man, um... When I first read it, the story was was wonderful. it was painful, tragic, poetic and and beautiful. I mean, I felt like I could empathize in many different ways with everybody there. at least I understood everybody 's character, like even when it comes down to carrie mulligan 's character in it like I was just like oh man i 've seen people that have gotten like sucked into the tradition of like the 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 male caller come in and asking for your hand like you know and that's obviously much longer ago but you know in the area that I grew up in there's not a lot of options when it comes to. Who you're gonna, you know, get a rum knee for. <laughs> for <her.
0: laughs> so, I guess that'll do. I mean, <laughs> and, and
2: you know, you deal with that. So I felt her, her character's pain throughout the, the whole thing. Also, I grew up on a farm in northern Minnesota as my, my older brother and my father, and my sister was there. And in the book, there's Ed Dabbles, they had a sister, but she wasn't, um, uh, didn't really shine light on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had my older brother and my father on the farm, and and so I really related to those characters and the situation. Ultimately, I as well left the farm to pursue acting, right. which which the character Jamie in this was went to Ole Miss, studied theater, hoped to like move to Los Angeles and be the next Errol Flynn. Um, When you return
0: uh, to Minnesota, do you feel like you have PTSD like uh, Jamie does coming back home? When I was in Minnesota, (laughs) I didn't even
2: know who Errol Flynn was. (laughs) um, A little bit. You know, it was um, when I'd go back, I just made like a point to, you know, it was it was kind of tricky because I wouldn't really talk about where I was, the place i had been and the Mm. people I was working with because I did not want to. Sound seemed like, like, a, were, yeah. like I was bragging or this or that. And, you know, my brother stayed on the farm and, and you know, after I'd left, um, worked the farm. And so, obviously, I had, like, a little bit of guilt of, of abandoning that situation. He worked at the, in the town factory and now he's doing very wonderful and is in, in Vegas and and, you know, we're both very proud of each other. But at that time, I would just go back and just try and be... You go know, back into you, the mode uh, that you were. Go back
0: into the mode I was, yeah. You
2: know, the it, old self.
0: It, I mean, did, did it catch your, your family off guard? What did they make of your passion for... This that that it sounds like it manifested pretty early on, even though you weren't exposed to a lot of film. I know for for yeah. whatever reason you got it in your head. I'm I still gotta do playing catch up,
2: <laughs> right? Well, that's why it's funny when people are like, you know, and obviously because Netflix is distributing um, this film, I've had a lot of questions of, oh, is Netflix this? Are they? Sure. Is it right for them to? I'm like, man, if I had Netflix growing up, I've. Yeah, you would have been exposed to a whole lot. I got to go to, like, the theater, like, three times before I was 14. Right. And so I wasn't, you know, and I think, you know, who knows? Maybe if I, I would have been a little more exposed to it, maybe I wouldn't have been here. And I just would have been like, would I'm happy with going special, to work yeah, and, like, yeah, coming yeah. back and watching anything I want. Right. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, it was a little different.
0: So um, why why do you think it got into your head then? That, like, if you're not even exposed to this, it's not necessarily what your family is? I think was. it was
2: what you're, what you're not offered or something, is something that you're craving. Mm-hmm. And especially with when I was first in Phoenix, when I was first um, starting with acting coaches, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. A lot of them would come off like they would have, an, you know, people would pay for them to come out to Arizona to do a thing. And obviously people would pay to go because they heard there was an acting coach, like at this certain place. Right. But they would have like an episode, like they, they were a struggling actor themselves, but did like an episode in this TV show. And this was going to be the coach that told you what to do and how right. to do it. Right. And so <laughs> I think it was something that, what you weren't offered made you uh, gave you more drive, yeah, like what you weren't being given made you want to get more yeah and and so it was like, all right, I see this, I understand this, I know what it is, now, I want more, like I want yeah. bigger and better, like I want a better coach, I want uh, a a better teacher um in a way and so by how sort of shabby they all were, it made you want. Like but starting with on. the crappy
0: coaches, you were like, I want. Oh uh, yeah, I yeah, can yeah. Get the B coach or yeah, even the A course. coach one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. You start with the junior varsity coach, right. And, and right. And you work your way up, and so.
0: So we, and famously, you know, Troy is obviously the big break, yeah. and and it happened. At least the lore is it happened relatively fast after you went to LA. Is that that fair to say that like?
2: Yeah, very. Um, It's actually quite funny. Um, See, I've been flying back and forth to LA for about two years, Um, and I was working in a restaurant as a as a busser. I wasn't even old enough to be a server or anything at that point. So you know, I was cleaning the tables, and all that money was going towards tickets to LA, and I would. But this is after, like, you know, I went to, like, a a talent event or something. I I gave the monologue from the... Half point of Varsity Blues. Uh, my mom wanted me to do the monologue from Bull Durham about the small of a woman's back, and oh I'm God. like, Mom, I'm, I'm 16. Not I can't, in front of you, please. You know, I can't. I can't get up and talk about the kisses that last three minutes and the small of a woman's back and the curveball. Didn't quite like, have that experience like, yet. Like, and so I get the. We got the next 40 minutes for the next 40 years of our lives, and uh, so I got classic uh, Vanderbeek. So I got, <laughs> so I got um. I got a manager from that who had me fly out to l a and I got an agent and um I started flying back and forth and I would literally i would get an audition this is before like i wouldn 't even get scripts I would just get the five pages that I had to read for and i didn 't have a printer, so I 'd go to Kinko's and print them out and you know really work on these five pages, fly into Burbank taxi to the audition be told I was shit, taxi back... And, <laughs> Very efficient. ...and go back just, to school. Nice. You know, That's so got to be good for was, the ego. And so <clears throat> when I moved to L.A., I'd come out essentially with with nobody because at that time my reps were, you know, pushing me on, like, um, soap operas sure. and stuff like that. And, and and it's just a whole, you know... It's a, a quite a long story, and I don't think we have that long time.
0: Well, do, do you remember the moment that you got
2: Troy, and did it feel like a moment? So I, I was... I got to L.A., and it was between... So I was given... The first script I was given was Troy. Mm-hmm. And I went in, I read with the casting director's assistant. You know, they've been trying to read this for a long time um, and, and find this role. Um, I was called back to read with the casting director. Then I was called back to... Um, meet with Wolfgang and then I was called back to meet with Brad and Wolfgang and it was a very funny situation because it was I moved out to LA December 28th 2002 and by on Valentine's Day I was reading with Brad for for Troy and by March I was already in uh, London and Malta crazy shooting and and like sitting there at Shepperton Studios Watching Peter O'Toole, like you know, do this crazy scene, and and his preparation process is very much like that. And um, did, did, uh, did I mean, I'm
0: curious, like watching someone like O'Toole and being around, you know, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, Brad. Did it, you know, did it benefit you from not being kind of like the film geek from the age of five? Did it feel like you were able to
2: kind of like set that aside? Because. I had like, I don't know what it was. I had like little, I love the fucking. Color Mar- Money? I love the Color Money poster. Um, little tricks that I did. I think I, I'd, I'd, the first time I've ever said it was um, uh, in this like Vanny Fair thing. And I, I, you know, I didn't know I was actually going to reveal it. And I didn't know they were actually going to show it. But it was just weird things. Like everybody that was already signed on to it was an A list actor. And right. I felt like I needed something to feel a little bigger or, or something to make me smile a little more. And I'd had my ex-girlfriend's uh, thong from high school and I wore that and, I, it, and it made me smile so much and like have this like energy that not because this, it was like a credit card swipe going up the, mm-hmm. but it was... You know where I'm going, with that. but if God forbid, like my shirt happened to come up on the right side and yeah. you saw this pink strap come in over here, I knew that we could go on to a bigger conversation. And did it, it was did you ever notice. So it was the secret of no. It wasn't what I was filming. <laughs> no, it was just for the meeting, the initial meetings with with Brad and stuff. And oh. and uh, and I remember at that point we we were at Wolfgang Peterson's place and. Um, his production company down in santa monica and we're like we went out and we had a smoke and i'm like man i got i think i'm getting this like Mm -hmm. this is amazing and brad looked down he saw (laughs) a paparazzi in like the back seat of a car that was like yeah he's got that special 60 yards away right and he walked inside he grabbed a bottle of water and he just walked as cool as could be over that car, opened up the door, threw the bottle of water all over the guy and his camera, and then just walked back. And back then, he had the long hair, and right. he's just walking back, and it was like the coolest man. Just, it was like the scenes when somebody's walking away from an explosion, exactly. and like his hair's like flowing behind, and he's walking in slow mo.
0: How is he walking in slow mo? That's amazing. An amazing <laughs> Yeah, I saw it in slow mo. Um,
2: but it was just, it was like the, you know, it was. I'd always had like this um, kind of ongoing dream where where I was like running across ice, and before I got to the other side, I fell through, and I didn't know what hole I, how to find the hole I fell through. So it was always kind of something saying you're getting this far, but then everything crashes. And right. this is the first time in my life that that I actually got it, and I was doing it, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is going to be not only life altering, but this is the beginning of kind of a a new crazy thing.
0: Yeah. Speaking of new crazy things, I mean, we obviously started to to get to know each other a bit on Tron, which was another big moment in in your career. Uh And I would imagine a big opportunity, a big decision. I mean, was there any trepidation at that point, given, you know, the kind of stuff you've talked about of like tying yourself to a potential franchise at that time and being identified with a certain kind of a film, um, or did it feel like there was just too much good stuff, Jeff Bridges, et cetera, to no it up?
2: It was tricky because I went and met on it, but I was already attached to On the Road. And so for that time, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd signed on to On the Road in um, 2007. Right. I think we did Tron in 2009. Came out
0: 2010, so probably yeah. shot at least a year before, yeah.
2: Yeah. And and so for two years, I'd been basically like driving around the country and hanging with like beat writers up in Frisco, <laughs> hanging with family members right. of, of um, you know uh, Neil Cassidy's son John Cassidy and and um, other beat writers like Michael McClure over in Berkeley and stuff like that. And then so when Tron came, it was around like a point where I'd spent so much time not working that I couldn't really you know pay the rent anymore. <laughs> and it wasn't even that. I was look like everybody else. I was so blown away by what they put out at at Comic-Con right. that year and I thought it was going to be something so groundbreaking and and just visually stunning that man, this could be insane, but I was the least technologically like apt person, you know. And so and it was also tricky because most of the things I'd worked on before, you had the ability to improvise and I Right. This was not a world. The but you just was, You can't like improvise or wing things. You're, you're stuck to the dialogue, the, you know, um, the exposition, the, the, the verbiage of all of the technical aspects of the film. Continuing on from you know, the first one. And uh well, why, and also why would you
0: want to improvise an Adam Horowitz script? I don't uh, understand. No, I, mean, I, I can never
2: I can never put words <laughs> in your brother's mouth. I mean, especially I mean, you know, if I if I were to have been in Lost as well, right. I'm like, how, how would <laughs> I be only able your to paths across then? How would I have been able to improvise about the spooky thing in the woods? This is true. This is true. <laughs>
0: Is is your favorite? I mean, is research still one of your favorite parts of the job? Just kind of figuring it out,
2: like yeah, because it it, the trial and error of everything, sort of it, it weeds all that out. And when you know, if you're just winging it, you're susceptible to trying any idea that somebody suggests and when you've done the research you finally have the ability to say no
0: right you because you've already kind of gone down those roads and yeah, figured out which yeah yeah you've exercised you. those
2: paths and yeah. been like is this going to be beneficial or is this going to be something that's going to help the character or the story in any way and and so i mean for things like country strong i mean i never knew how to play before then yeah and and it's also the benefit of of the job we do, because now I, you know, I get to strum every day, like, um, and have fun, um, you know, campfire jazz. Sure. You know? <laughs> but well, but much- for that, it was, it was, it was six months before shooting. It was right after we finished Tron, actually. You went right outside. um, wanted to be a country Western had, star. <laughs> <had laughs> this summer <laughs> and, um, had the summer, and, and we did Comic-Con then, and then right after that I was um, you know with um, a guy, Neil Cassell, who was, uh, and Ryan Adams, the Cardinals, he was lead guitarist for the Cardinals, and he came by every day, and we would, um, you know, it was a new song every day, like yeah. Hank Williams or something like that, and, and Charting the Progress, and... <laughs> You know, sending all that back to the music supervisor, Randall Poster, who's, you know, a genius and does every Wes Anderson or right. Scorsese film. And, um, you know, try sending him a version of your, like, early on version of singing a damn, like, Hank Williams song. is like, all right, let's keep that. <laughs> That's a start. Let's try That's, it again. It's a good little start. Is that him playing? No, it's it's Neil. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> give me one with him playing. Oh, that was him. Pla- oh, <laughs> that's a start.
0: <laughs> Did that go right uh, into Inside Lou and Davis? Did those kind of feed into each other? The are no, not singing in Inside look, Davis, and but... that's
2: also funny. Like if because I was attached to Akira, right, and had Akira gone, I never would have been able to do Inside Lou and Davis. My goodness for and these. So it's aborted franchise. Aborted
0: franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy.
2: But. And also had, um, you know, there was something else going on. I think when the, when the next uh, Tron was supposed to start, yeah. um, we were greenlit and ready to go. And then um, I think the studio had, like, troubles with, like, you know, how Tomorrowland did and stuff like that. And I think they asked them to give them like a hundred reasons why they should do this film.
0: And we came up with 30 and 95. And,
2: and, um, but if, you know, if that didn't fall through, I never would have been able to work with Soderbergh on, on this. And, and, um, you know, and ultimately probably, yeah, definitely I wouldn't have been able to do Mudbound.
0: Was, was, was your heart in, I mean, you know I, you know, I facetiously mentioned Fifty Shades, but there was also, you know, Captain America and Guardians, I know, and I'm sure there are a dozen others that I don't even know about that never hit the trades. Was your heart in those, or was that kind of just like, you know, if they ask me to test for these things, you don't say no to that yet, at least have to explore. No, it was crazy
2: because when it was something like for, you know, I'm, I'm, I firmly believe that to, look, I didn't grow up reading comic right. books and obviously with stuff like Tron and Comic Con you get to see the fandom and you get to see how passionate people are about these things and if your heart's not in it for the right reasons or the reasons that they love it and they support it then there's always going to be like a conflict and I just kind of knew that if like somebody else out there is a huge fan of this like somebody else will do a justice they'll talk about it in the right ways they'll explain why they're a fan and how long they've been a fan. And I truly believe that if you aren't a fan and you're like a little bit unaware of the world, um, it's just never gonna amount. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's it translate. It's like a, it's, it's not gonna translate and, and the fans are gonna hate you because you know, if but in terms of that, I remember like when I met with the director on Captain America was the day it was the day after my grandfather passed away as I was singing him a song about a grandfather. And, um, and he was in a coma, and, and I sang him this song that we did in, in Country Strong. It was called Chances Are. And it's like, Well, this my grandpa's old Gibson, a girl of known importance, shot a whisk sitting on the bar. Yeah, I used to give a damn, I used to try real hard, I'll give in tonight, chances are. And he passed away, and the nurse was like, "Garrick, Garrett, now something's happened to your grandpa. We're going to have to call you back." And I had to go meet with him, or the director, right after that of the first. But I was already prepping for for Country Strong, right. and and for on the road, I'd been signed on to for a good while, and there was nothing more that I wanted to do in my life and, and career than Country Strong. I mean, than than on, on the road, the road. Yeah. and so. If I would have signed on to that, I wouldn't have been able to do any, you know, the things and and sort of. And it's not like it's a horrible thing. Look, it's, I've just been able to learn so much from all these other ones, explore other territories, and like, you know, I love going to watch uh, Captain America. I love watching all the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Like, fucking, I, I mean. You can. It's right. all good. All good. I love Evans. Like he's the shit. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm really actually met him because um, we're all in a, a, a football uh, a fantasy league. <laughs> Not going and, well right now. And uh, well, I'm second nerve. No, I'm uh, you know three and seven. <laughs> uh, but he he won last year and. Um, I don't think anybody paid him because they said he's fucking Captain America. I was going to say, like, come on, you're already Captain America. You but don't it's, need a, the a fucking- it's such <laughs> a funny group, though. It's you know, it's him and 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 Chris Pratt and Miles Teller and <laughs> Anthony Mackie and, and that's an entertaining group. And, you know, uh, John Krasinski and Don Cheadle, Paul Rudd, Oh, nice um, Renner. <laughs> What's uh, the amount of trash talk that goes on in, the, in this league? Oh, man, my WhatsApp is... You know, I've never had WhatsApp before this, and... Uh, I'm going to guess, know, uh, Mackie's the worst. Mackie's, <laughs> Mackie's pretty good at, yeah. at trash talk, but Don Cheadle is actually really? funny as shit. <laughs> I've never met him <clears throat> personally, but I, I do enjoy that. Oh, no, and James Morrison's on it. He, he definitely... he, oh, he yeah. chats. Oh, nice. He's, he's uh, you know... He likes to complain about his um, <laughs> his team, his very very bad team, <laughs> and he likes to propose a lot of trades. That's amazing.
0: The unlikeliest um, uh, person I've found that's a big fantasy football fan is uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Would you think uh, that Harry Potter is a, a a Brit has suddenly turned into? He's like a huge fantasy football guy. Yeah. If you have an opening uh, in your league, if uh, Marsden just you know explodes and storms off, he he might explode. <laughs> he might. <laughs> so is there anything you, like you talk about on the road which was clearly a passion project for you and many others yeah is there anything else like that's been like brewing like that that you've been just trying to will across the finish line or you've waited for years on oh uh, geez um
2: i don't know not really i mean that one you know that was kind of a lesson it's very funny to see the difference between a process that we'd had on something like Mudbound. And it's it's not because of work or or passion or lack of passion or an immense amount of passion. It's just, it's funny to see that when, you know, On the Road was five years of my life. Right. I signed on in 2007. We filmed in 2010. It came out in 2012. We went to Cannes. Cannes got their, their voice in and was sure. like, you know, the film is too long. Um, <laughs> we went to Toronto. And Walter cut it down a little bit. But through this whole time, I mean, I was writing to Walter any crazy story I had. Anything that would be like Neil cassidy S, like Dean Morty-esque. Um You know, if I went out the night before, I'd wake up immediately the next morning and have a coffee and a smoke. And sort of before I forget anything, like, let me recount this, you know, situation for you. And this happened and this happened. And we knocked all the goddamn paintings off all the goddamn walls throughout my whole goddamn pad. And it was and, uh, you know, and so it was um, but it was also a learning process because I'd always you know, I was always a big fan of Kerouac and I always considered myself much more the listener and now is to become the talker mm. and the intelligent talker and the extrovert and I was never really the extrovert in a way like like that. Not like spitting out facts and knowledge, you know, and so I really had to over those years I read everything I could read, watched everything I could watch, and just tried to kind of become that one that was sort of you know, and also, uh, you know, the one that was spitting out wisdom. But I was also driving all across the country, like for two years, and like it combined all these stories. And so then it became like, oh, we're flying over Arkansas. Now, you know, you want to know what happened in Arkansas right. uh, two years ago? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> and and so that was a blast. But to, mean, the research to, can be endless. You could have been doing that for. 15 oh, years yeah. I mean five years, I mean, like it goes Sir Walter years. Scott and stuff like this and, and you know things you never imagine you'd read um, but you know for spending 5 years on that we shot we shot for 6 months when we did shoot and it was from Montreal to Argentina, Chile up to New Orleans over to Arizona down to Mexico City, Puebla, Tehuacan, up to Calgary And then I had to take off and go to Tokyo for how many days to do press for Tron because that was coincided. So I didn't really have a weekend because all the other weekends were doing press and then over to New York to do press and then back up to Montreal. And we shot for another month and then finished in San Francisco for the last like four days. And then Walter edited it up and saw that he needed a little breathing room so he said would you be willing on doing a cross country drive with me in the Hudson so we started in Harlem I mean well you know the Bowery Hotel Uh (laughs) but we started in Harlem you know on rooftops and then we did a drive all the way up through the Adirondacks down through um, Utica um, down through all the wonderful states crashed in Nashville over through Memphis and stuff like that, and we got to have kicks along the way, but it was just a great amount of time to do it and then and then seeing something so powerful being like, oh the film is too long. Right. And and you know, um, they kind of ultimately, you know, sort of fluffed it in a little way. And then for some like Mudbound, which started as a wonderful book that Hillary Jordan wrote, but also a wonderful script Virgil Williams, uh, wrote and, and D added some wonderful things and we shot for five weeks and it gets to have this impact that it has obviously because of what's going on today and, and the kind of, you know, there's, there's racial divide and stuff like that. That's, that's very powerful and painful to watch within this. And, um, and it has the effect that that has. So well, it's... It,
0: yeah, I mean, it just shows. I mean, obviously, so much of it is out of your hands, and it's like you, the film can be what the film is, but it, it has to hit at the right time and the right audience. It has to be shown in the right way. It's like there are a thousand things that yeah. you can't anticipate. Yeah. And Mudbound, it seems, has had this like charmed existence from yeah. the time it, I guess, it's, it debuted at Sundance, yeah. um, all the way to where we're at now, and and on the road just, like, infamously had this, like, endless development period, even predating you. Yeah, I
2: mean, geez. Uh, I mean, Walter had cut up amazing sort of... um, He did a documentary called Finding on the Road, which I don't think he's really kind of released in any way, unless he did on the DVD. But, um... I mean, it had the tapes of everybody that used to come in for Francis Ford Coppola's um, cattle calls. Like... You know, it was like Russell Crowe reading for um you know uh Bill Burroughs, like it was McConaughey reading for Dean, it was Fascinating. Um you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt reading <laughs> for <laughs> Mary Lou like all these like in and, and this was kind of endless and also within Coppola, that was kind of it was a very funny thing because after I'd first read with Walter, um, and then I think I had to fly to New York and do a reading uh, with some people here. When I got back, they said, hey, um, Francis Ford Coppola wants to uh, meet you about his next project. And I was like, well, all right, well, I mean, I know he's you know producing he stepped aside and now american Zotrope is producing on the road i wonder if he's seen anything and i got in there and the meeting lasted 10 minutes it was him asking me who i thought was a better choice for sal out of two of the guys i'd read with uh-huh. and um it's like well you got to understand i've been a fan of both of them sure for a good while he's like yeah and he just said sure he's like yeah sure Um, uh and uh so I was like and you know this one really inspired me with his performance in this and the other one's from my home state and so we would have like a natural brother thing there he's like yeah and I was like (laughs) why are you making uh, me do this I I don't know and uh, literally the meeting lasted 10 minutes and I walked out and I was like I just fucked this up like I should have read him in writing. I should have sang him a song, and then he he called Walter and he was like, "You got your guy." Oh, fascinating! And, but yeah, none of those guys were chosen.
0: That's bizarre. What so, do you think
2: he was doing? What was that about? Was he just wanted to see? He saw the tapes. I mean, I could say who I was reading with, but um, but it's very funny because you know both of them are very active I'm still sure. today.
0: Um. What's uh, So I didn't even realize Mosaic was shot uh, as far back as it was. He's been kind of like, as as you said, there's a lot of content. Well, they were trying to figure out,
2: uh, you know, there's an algorithm to it. Yeah. Um, They had to try and figure out for the viewing experience how to sort of, no matter which route you go, to almost have the same amount of time Mm. of an experience. And I thought when it was coming out, like for the app, I thought you weren't going to be able to go back once he chose a choice.
0: Right, I was wondering about so that, you too. Yeah, so yeah.
2: <clears throat> you can still sort of dance in between these, and so I thought that every choice was going to be a two-hour experience, and you wouldn't be able to back up on it, Right. Um, this one is, you know, they had to figure out how to dance in between but also have the storylines make sense, but also the perspectives to be <clears throat> individual and and you know some perspectives are, are being very suspicious some are trying to be innocent right. some are trying to you know hide their guilt right and and so so it's very interesting
0: um, it's interesting. You've kind of been in a few of these that are kind of like pushing the form. Whether you know, last year we were talking about Billy Billy Lynn. yeah, where where uh, again, you know, it was a, it was fascinating to see it. I'm probably one of the very few audiences that got to see, got to see it in that crazy high frame rate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was it was bizarre in kind of a very fascinating way. And I'm I'm, I'm sure Ang has feelings about it now in terms of like it. it I think uh, I'm curious to see like what that turns into if that's going to turn into something in five well, or ten it's years. It's very or not.
2: funny. I mean. For that, you know, I thought the reason why it was taking a good little while to come out was because I thought that all the theaters were going to readjust and be capable of playing 120 frame rate. Right. By the time it came out, there were still only five in the world that could play it. And one was the editing room.
0: Um <laughs> editing room. But,
2: you know, time. he set it out within it. You know, the book was incredible. I mean, Ben Fountain, what he did in this book was just wonderful. Um, but, he, you know, everybody knew it was kind of... An expensive but not as expensive as it could be experiment Mm -hmm. to see if this was something that audiences could gravitate towards. Um, I remember when we went in to do ADR, Aang was like, I was like, how's the film? You know, I had like four lines or something in ADR. He's like, it's a quiet film, you know, it's a quiet film, so hopefully people like quiet films. (laughs) And so we always knew. It was a very tricky situation to have a, a film in a 120 frame rate that wasn't an action film. Okay. That was a very dialogue-driven sort of, um, uh, you know, military political film um, that wasn't really involving so much the military. It was, you know, a group of guys that were at a halftime. Right you know, to walk at a halftime walk. um, Yeah. yeah, It wasn't necessarily even
0: an easy sell at normal
2: frame rate. Like it's,
0: it's a tough, it's, it's not like a home run, like, Oh yeah, that's going to make a hundred million dollars. And then you add the layer of like experimenting with the very form of it. Yeah.
2: And I think the common response was people that saw it in the 120, because it's kind of, it's so clear and so visceral that when you're sitting there watching these guys having a conversation, it, like it, it got to be a little too real for people and and it distracted them and, and they didn't, they couldn't really understand if they liked it or not. Right. They knew it was new. But that's what, yeah, so I went, you know, basically, essentially from Billy Lynn, where they're like, this is going to be groundbreaking, to Soderbergh. Yeah, and where they're like, "This is experimental. Let's we'll see if it works." are experimental guy now,
0: When they need an, ex- an actor to, <coughs> to try something new, hey, put some dots on my face. What do you need? Oh, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> is there, as we wrap up? Is there um, are you the kind of guy that has like a filmmaker or two that like is on the list that like you're just intrigued about what it would be like to be a part of their process? Yeah, I'd like to
2: jump in on on you know a Tarantino flick before it's the, the tenth. Right, he's uh, only got
0: two or three left. Like,
2: Come <laughs> on, man. But no, I think it's, uh, you know, I've had a wonderful benefit of being able to work with a lot of wonderful directors and learn from them and and how they operate in their craft, and that bleeds into everything that I do from now on. And, and uh, you know, I guess we didn't even mention the Collins, but... No, yeah, and, just in passing. And in and terms and, of, like, yeah. you know, if you work for them... It's, that's, that's an experience unlike any others. Um, and, and the counter to On the Road, a, a much
0: a, a basically a nonverbal performance. That you know, one.
2: when I was given that script, it said based off of Neil Cassidy, and i just finished On the Road, and I was like, man, I can't. So I went and I, I met with them <laughs> for a, a singing role, and um, I think like the soldier at the beginning, mm. that kind of, you know... Eats a cereal and takes off. Right, they're like, "That's good and all, but um, you mind reading this?" And it was for the role of Johnny Five, and I was like, "All right, all right." <laughs> and did the thing, and they're like, "You got a really good grasp on this." No, know why? Like, yeah, I've been um, kind of doing it for a bit, but um, but no, I've just I, I've had a benefit of working with a lot of. My heroes and, um, and learning from them. And it, it just it inspires me more in every film that I do. I take that with. And, and um, you know, I think um, when you have some of these lessons from, from the Coen's or Walter Sellers or Ang Lee and stuff like that, you start seeking less approval. And you go in, you do the research, you do the work. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're not always like, is that good enough? Right. Because they never gave you any reassurance. <laughs> <laughs> because they're so good. Either they're yelling at you or, or they don't say a thing. The and reassurance when they don't, is you're not fired. You when it through the, a when they don't say a thing, it's a very good thing. <laughs> That's the validation. And so so you seek a little less validation. It's um, probably healthy. Yeah. Not to
0: constantly. Not in all like aspects. A, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs>
2: you know, uh, love, family, friendship. Yeah. You know, not seeking validation all the time. I mean, and and you know, letting insecurities sort of bleed out into um, the surface of, of who you represent yourself or who you you know. Or is uh, it's wonderful? Am I doing all right?
0: You did great, Garrett. Was the podcast good? I need validation uh, from you. No. <laughs>
2: No, you were great outside.
0: Can we get a little validation? No, how did I do though? No, no, you're great. It's my, it's my show, love, so I, love I need what, to... what you're wearing, <laughs> even though it's not a video. Um, we're gonna take some photos. Don't worry. We need to immortalize this. Mm, mm. Um, no, I, you know, you know, I'm a fan, and I always love catching up with you, and I always appreciate, I appreciate what you've done with your career. In that, like, you know, we talked a lot about this. Like, there's like kind of the, the quote-unquote easy road, the 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 playbook to do, and you've done anything but that, and and yet. It's rewarded you tenfold, I feel like, in the proofs in the pudding of the kind of filmmakers that you're continuing to work with. And, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I I like the unusual choices. I like the cool choices. I like the filmmakers that you're working with. And uh, you're welcome here anytime, buddy. Oh, thanks. Man. I think we did it. I'll stop by every time. Well, not literally every time. I mean, I have other no, people I have, to, I, I, I have to you talk know, to, other people no, too. No, I was
2: joking about that. I was just saying that because you're recording and I want to sound okay. like, You know, let's appreciative. Go, oh. let,
0: let's go back to our, our
2: normal relationship. Yeah.